welcome. Uh, if you are new to us this morning, we welcome you. And uh, we also just uh, extend a welcome as uh, we are seeing more and more people who are going online during these times. Uh, and just appreciate you being with us today. Uh, there is a new small group. It is uh, Mitch and Sandy Reed. They're meeting this as of September 10th at 6 p.m. It'll be at the Lighthouse at the Rock Church. And so we just want to announce this ahead of time as it's coming up. And they will be studying uh, one of Rick Warren's books called Love the Word, Learn the Word, and Live the Word. And so wanted to announce that as we are going to be kicking off more um, of the ministries in the fall. If I was to ask you what is the most important ingredients for a church that is seeking God's blessing, how do we, how do we bestow God's blessing on us? Well, in some ways, we don't bestow it on us, but we prepare ourselves so that we're ready for it. It's almost like the tilling of soil to make sure that that soil is soft and ready for his blessings. And if I was to ask you what a family would do to, uh, to enjoy God's blessing and prepare themselves for, for God's blessing, what, what would that include? What ingredients would that include to, to be ready for God's blessing? And what would that family look like? And how would the interactions be? And then if I was to ask you how a follower of Christ, if someone came to you and asked, asked you, I, I really want to experience uh, God's blessing as I follow him, what, what should I do? What should be characteristic in my life? Uh, well, then Psalm 133 is a particular passage that talks about how we have blessing in our lives, in our family, and in our church, and really in all of our relationships. One of the greatest desires of the human heart is to have a sense of peace and unity. And unity is that ingredient that uh, prepares the soil of our lives, our families, and our church for blessing. And the question is, is how do we get there? How do we get to the point of unity? Well, it says in Psalm 133, how good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. It is believed that when this psalm was written in 133, that it was probably at the coronation of when David united the kingdoms, Judah and Israel, and in this uniting of it, what a, what a picture of unity, as this nation of Israel is now united again. And during this celebration, this it is believed that the Psalm 133 was written by David. It's one of his psalms, not only to celebrate the unity of Israel and the uniting of Israel, but also as uh, some instructional things for his family. Uh, we know that uh, David had some problems, and his family and his, his kids uh, were at, at odds with each other, and not only uh, at each other, but also with him. As we uh, remember the Adonijah, uh, almost kind of circumvented the, the kingship of David. And so there were some uh, messages David was, was giving, but primarily Psalm 133 is all about how do we get unity into our lives to prepare ourselves for God to, to, to even put us in a position where God can bless us? As it, is it a necessary thing for us to receive the, the, the blessing that God wants for us? It is like precious oil poured on the head, says verse 2. And you can picture this precious oil flowing down, running down on the beard. I don't have a beard, but Aaron did. He says, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. 
It is like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's head, on his beard, down on the collar of his robe. And it, it is so, so flowing down his beard that it actually ends up uh, below. That's how unity bestows blessing to his people. Verse 3, it is as if the dew of Hermon, now he's using this picture uh, of, 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 of dew and Mount Hermon. He says, is it as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion, about 100 miles to the south, which we think, boy, is that possible? But with the certain currents, uh, it would be possible. Um, but also, maybe it's just saying that Mount uh, Hermon provided the water and the blessing to the soil and to everything that grew in that area. And most of uh, what was precipitated on Mount Hermon would actually end up in the Jordan River. And that was their livelihood. But it was fresh water. It was water that was due from Mount Hermon. For there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. As we look at this uh, short psalm, very short, one of the shortest ones written by David, we recognize that it's, uh, it's a general statement about unity and how unity is a blessing. And then there are two pictures of that blessing going on. One is this picture of oil running uh, from Yahweh down uh, Aaron, the priest, uh, not only head, but also his beard, and even to the collar. And then the second picture is this picture of dew from Mount Hermon and going to Mount Zion, uh, which is the area is, which was where Jerusalem was and where these, uh, these pilgrims were ascending as they sang this psalm. And this psalm is about unity. It's, again, verse 1, how good and how pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. This just points the, 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 the uh, scope to the fact that unity is the key ingredient to blessing, one of the key ingredients to blessing uh, in God's world. And so as we prepare ourselves for the atmosphere of blessing, unity has to be present, not only in our individual lives, not only in our family, but also in our church family and God's family that um, covers the whole globe. And so as we live transformed lives, we recognize that unity is one of the things that we mature in, and it's a sign of maturity. And if you see someone who is dis, in, in disunity with many people and is kind of antagonistic, uh, they're, they're growing, and, and there's, there's room to grow more and more and more. And so as we, we see a life and we see a world full of fractures and conflict, and, and there's, the, there's the, this political party and that political party, and they're kind of at each other, and there's races, and there's people having a lot of strife at this point in time, and just restlessness. And it's just messed up relationships, and we can see unity is so important to the message of today. This psalm was written over 2,000 years ago, nearly three, and you realize that it's just as relevant today, probably more so than at than any other time. And so unity is very important. And that ascent up the hill wasn't just a physical uh, ascent. It was actually a spiritual ascent. So that those, those pilgrimers, and, and us too, can get to a point where we see God and that he is in control of things and that we can have some peace in our lives so that when we head down that hill again, we go back to our lives we have a sense in which God is in control 
And we can have unity with one another and also peace. And that is an important message that there is a spiritual ascension that occurs as we pursue God and we try to see him in his, his, his perfect form. And he is all-powerful and sovereign and has work, things worked out, but we need to trust him. And that's where unity uh, comes from. It is like precious oil poured, poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. And so the second metaphor compares the blessing of Yahweh to really the, the dew of Hermon. And, and as we see dew, and we even saw the smoke come in the other day, I think it was on Wednesday night, and it just came in just as quick as could be from hundreds of miles away in Montana. The dew of, of Mount Hermon can, could travel down and bless and bless, bless dry, dry ground. And so if you think of, of, of your spiritual life as, as a spiritual life that can get dry and can be wet, and, uh, it, this was a blessing to their spiritual lives to come up to this mountain, to come to Jerusalem, to be marching to the city to fellow fellowship with one another was such a blessing and it was a picture of this dew and it's a picture also of this precious oil that has come down upon him and so as we see this picture of uh, the priest Aaron and the oil running down him and a picture of, of oil uh, with blessing is a continual thing in the Old Testament uh, oil to bless and so he, the, the writer Paul uh, as he writes this David writes this uh, psalm he writes it and he he really draws from their past their understanding of oil and how it's a blessing and do which would be very clear to an, an agrarian society that sees things grow when there's rain in and, and then sees things die when it's dry and there's a clear picture that God is blessing them through those things and so as we look at unity we recognize that there is a blessing as we come to him and we seek not only unity with him and as we celebrate communion recognizing that communion is all about unity and so as we celebrate that uh, today uh, recognizing that God's wish for us is to be in communion with him first but also with each other because his helper the Holy Spirit is inside of each one of us and as we commune with one another and are uni in unity with one another, we are fulfilling God's wishes for us. And so uh, the, uh, the Old Testament follower of God would come to the temple and, and the presence of God would be in the temple. And that was God's way of, of ha having those people connect with him. But today, the, God's temple is, is in each one of us. We are, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And, and he resides in each one of us. And in, and truly, as God's kingdom grows, it means that he's taking, he's taking over another heart, and that heart is give, given over to him. And so as we see people come to know the Lord, uh, one after the other, we see God's kingdom growing. But what's happening is, is the Holy Spirit is coming to reside in yet one more soul, one more soul. And God quenches our spiritual thirst, especially when we are in unity. So we prepare ourselves for that spiritual blessing, that dew that comes down on, on dry ground when we are in unity. Unity, a lot of times people will pray uh, for the Holy Spirit so he can create unity, which may not, that's not, it's not wrong to pray that. But oftentimes it's through unity that the Holy Spirit causes revival. 
When you think of the, the book of Acts, and they were all gathered together in one accord, and the Holy Spirit came on them, you recognize it was, it was they were setting up soil that was uh, ready for God to do his work through him, with his Holy Spirit. The ultimate blessing, as we see uh, this verse 3, for there, there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. The Lord bestows his blessing on us, even life forevermore. I don't know what this meant to a Jewish person back in those times. Honestly, they have a picture of who maybe there would be a Messiah, but their picture would be so veiled compared to our picture. What a blessing it is for us to know Jesus, that he went to the cross, and that he was the one who would provide forevermore. If you think of the Sadducees, even they didn't even believe in anathema. That's why they were sad, you see. And you recognize that, that even the, the most religious Jewish people didn't have a real clear picture. Even if you look at Psalm 133, maybe what that will look like that we have life forevermore, and that that's a blessing that God bestows us, that we get to look forward to living in the new Jerusalem, the new Zion. And so we are ascend we're actually on our way right now. We're ascending a spiritual heel to that point where God will bring us to his new Jerusalem. And it is going to be fantastic. It is going to be something that we cannot even imagine, but yet at the same time, God wants us to think on that, to fix our eyes on that, because by fixing our eyes on that, we focus our attention in the right direction, which is towards him and his kingdom and what he's doing. We recognize that God is bigger than our problems, and that he has a bigger, uh, a bigger upper story than the lower stories that we see when we watch the news, and the disunity and the troubledness that we see around us. Unity produces God's presence and a sense of peace that is irreplaceable, and a believer has that, but we need to tap into that. We need to be uh, unity, we need to be in unity with one another as well as with, with the Lord and, and allowing him to provide spiritually the dew that enriches our lives. As we look at this passage, I want to just recognize too that in the Old Testament, Genesis 45, we were in men's study on Friday morning and it became just kind of clear to me as soon as we started reading that section Boy, this is, this is about unity, it's about family, and it's about brothers, and, and your brothers fight, and that sort of thing. And we know the story of Joseph, and so we have Joseph, and he's, he's kind of the, 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 the guy that sort of says, I'm, I'm the special one, and so his brothers take issue with that, they want to kill him, but instead of that, they said, you know what, let's just sell him as a slave, and of course, he, he went into Egypt, was a slave, and went to jail, and then he rose up under power under Pharaoh, and then a famine hit the, hit the land, and Jacob, who thought Joseph was dead, and all of the brothers uh, was, would, would think he was a slave, went to Egypt to get food. And we pick up the story in Genesis 45, as these brothers come into Joseph's presence and are eating with him, and are hoping to receive grain and, and different things from him. And they don't know who he is. They don't recognize their brother from many years ago, uh, especially as he would be dressed as an Egyptian and, and royalty at that. 
It says, then Joseph could no longer control himself before all his attendants. Joseph missed his brothers so much. And even though they had tried to kill him and throw him into slavery, he, he, he responded to them. He could no longer control himself. And he cried out, have everyone leave my presence. So there was no one with Joseph when he made himself known to his brothers. And he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard him. And Pharaoh's household heard about it. He must have just completely poured his heart out. It says, Then Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still living? But his brothers were not able to answer him because they were terrified at his presence. And you would be too, because he is the second most powerful person in Egypt, Egypt which is the superpower of the world. And you have tried to kill him, and, and then you've sold him into slavery, and then he had a whole bunch of trouble in jail. And you realize, well, we, are, we, we, we have messed with someone over our head. And so they are terrified just in his presence. This is our brother, and I'm sure they're having a hard time just realizing that this is really happening. Then Joseph said to his brothers, come close to me. When they had done this, he said, I'm your brother, Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed. Do not be distressed. And do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here, because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now, there has been a famine in the land, and for the next five years, there will be no plowing and reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve you for a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So he explains to them the upper story of God. Meanwhile, they think their lower story is about to come to an end. But Joseph responds to them as he has seen their hearts change, and he's seen a softening to not only towards, their, towards his father, who he loves, but, but also towards one another, and the younger brother, uh, Benjamin. And so Joseph, is, his heart is just touched, softened, really. When he should have been revengeful, unity prevails. And it continues in verse 14. Then he threw his arms around his brother Benjamin and wept, and Benjamin embraced him, weeping, and he kissed all his brothers and wept over them. And afterward, his brothers talked with him. Oh, that they did. Unity in a family. What a blessing that is. And how did that occur? By a process by which God used people and used the softening of hearts to come to a place where uh, they were able to reconcile to one another and maintain unity. And instead of just a vengeful uh, snuffing of his brothers out, Joseph chooses unity. It says in Ephesians 4 this, As a prisoner for the Lord, we are all that, because he has purchased us at a very expensive price. Then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love, Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. That just speaks to the desire for us to be in unity with one another. For us to put away petty things, to put away not so petty things for the sake of the main thing. And we're on mission, and our mission is, 
is to, to be about his business. And, and really, it's the great commission that we are in this great relationship, which is the commandment to have a relationship with God. And as we live that out with the Holy Spirit inside of us, we have a commission or a mission that God gives us. And part of that mission requires us to be in unity with one another. And that requires us to put aside the, the, the color of the carpet and the preferences of this or that. Even some of the things that are very difficult for us, wearing masks, uh, whether we do or don't, we need to be in unity. And we need to move forward because the world is watching. Other people are watching. What's the, what, they're, they're a church. Do they, do, they, do they get along with one another? Are they, are they striving for unity? Do they show love for one another? And I would argue that to strive for unity is really just love in action. And if you have been married for a while, you'll recognize that is true. To maintain unity, it requires love, and that's sacrifice. That's giving up of your own, your own thing and think the way I think about things and the way you think about it differently, but we, we have to come to a point where there's unity. Romans 12 says this, Live in harmony with one another. There's unity. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. And so if I hold them in my position without being unified, that's a difficult thing. Now, we're not going to be unified with, with untruth. Obviously, with the main thing is the main thing, and there are, there are lines. But there are a lot of places where we can give. And if you see that the Apostle Paul and his missionary journeys, he would make concessions in places that were not the main thing for the purpose of maintaining unity. And what a powerful ministry and effect that had. It had life changed, people's lives changed because he was willing to do those things instead of being feet in, in some non-essential areas. And so I'm encouraging the church globally, Sheridan, the rock, to do this. Verse 17, here's Joseph. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. They, they, they sold him as a, as a slave. Did he repay? No. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, and it may not be possible, but as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Give it every possible chance that you would maintain unity with the body as we recognize that that is so, so important for people to change. I'd like to share a story that I heard on Friday morning in men's study. Corey shared it, and, and to God's glory, he made that very clear. But there was a, a roommate of his that was a very, let's just say, a very crass person, and I'm just minimizing it because in a men's study, you can share more things than you could maybe in this context. But this, this person was basically trying to get rid of Corey as a roommate. He was doing everything possible to get on his nerves, and in the end, as Corey struggled with this and kind of sought mentorship from some older uh, pastors and whatnot to, to explain uh, to what to do, he was encouraged to hang in there, even beyond the point of where he wanted to hang in there, much beyond the point of what it depends on him. Uh, he was hanging in there. And this roommate of his name, Mark, slowly came around and pretty soon because of his appetite and Corey inviting him to church, came to church and all he did is eat and he didn't really go to the service and pretty soon he started sliding in the back of the service and then pretty soon he's sitting down with Corey in the service. This guy who was the last person on earth to be a candidate to go to church 
was sitting beside Corey. And at some point in time in their relationship is obviously unity became a very, a very important part. This man gave himself to Christ. And as they shared that with Corey, you can imagine God to God be the glory that God can change a life that Corey thought, man, this guy is just, there's no way you're going to reach this guy. He's unreachable. But yet, God did that. He softened the heart and through a sense of unity and what he saw in the believers that he was exposed to as he aided and as he got more and more involved in coming to this church, he came to know the Lord Jesus. Now, what's more important? My own rights? Or is unity that expresses the love that we have for one another, that changes lives like Mark's, more important? And I would argue for life evermore, the end of Psalm 133 is a lot more important that we change lives for the kingdom than to have our own rights. Some applications. Are you blessed because you're promoting unity in your relationships, in your family, in your church? Are you maturing and are you growing and promoting unity? That's a sign of maturing. I don't care how, much, how many verses you've memorized or how much of the book you've read. There's other parts of that that we need to apply what we read. Ephesians 4 says we need to grow in unity. And that's, that's a mark of a mature believer. It's also a mark of a person who is waiting for God to bless him. It puts us in a position for blessing. Not, not that it guarantees blessing, but it puts us in a place where God can just put, flow the dew and allow that, allow that oil to run down on us. Are you at peace as much as it depends on you with your relationships? Do you know pre-Christians, people who haven't come to Christ yet, people like Mark, who see our unity as attractive, as they see the body and as they see two Christians getting along with one another, even though they're different because everybody's different? Are you commissioned with Christ in seeking and saving the lost? Are you about the main thing? Are you, and are you sowing in prayer for that? And, and that sense of unity that comes from the Holy Spirit as we tend to spend time with the Holy Spirit and with the Lord in, in the Word. And are you trusting God as you ascend in unity with other believers? We have so much to look forward to. We have so many blessings that come because we belong to the Lord. And unity is one of those blessings. And as we celebrate communion today, I just want you to know that this communion, the union part of that, the unity that we have, is so important to our church, especially right now, that we put aside those things that we can put aside, stick to the main things, and get along for the sake of not only for one another and our blessings, but also for a world that doesn't know Christ and doesn't have the hope that we have. May the blessing be upon you as if I pray. Father, thank you so much for Psalm 133. Thank you that we have unity and that that allows us to experience a, a deeper richness of blessing from you. Thank you that your son, like Joseph, sacrificed for us. He went ahead to prepare a place for his brothers. And, and Jesus, you went ahead to prepare a place for us, a place of unity that you would send your Holy Spirit to be within us, that we would have a kindredness that is so unlike anything else the world doesn't even know about. Thank you for the opportunity to just hear your word and to experience your blessing being together. Um, being together in the Spirit, even if we're sitting in different households, the, the Holy Spirit is, 
is in each one of us connecting us in that way. And as we experience communion together, may it be a blessing to us that it would, it would feed us as we ascend the spiritual hill that allows us to come into a deeper relationship with you and in that process with each other. And we just thank you for these things and we pray in Jesus' name.